Hi everyone, this is Kevin Miller and this is The Ziggler Show, where our goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, symptomatic self-help. Let's get to the root issue. Folks, after a lifetime in personal development and the last five years investigating and talking with the top leaders in personal development, I believe we are, all of us, so often missing the root issues of our own personal growth and progress. So the following show is an overview of a larger initiative that I'm working on. And I'm not a patient man, so in this episode, I talk you through the highlights. I believe it's going to help you better address, understand what the real root issues are of you and vastly increase your progress. And I'll give you the punchline right here as well. I'm going to start off in the show by explaining explaining what I mean by symptomatic self-help and then walk you forward in these five points. Number one, what do you really want? Number two, what do you just want to want? Three, what do you not actually even want? You just think that you should and you need to get rid of it. Four, what do you believe and have faith in? And last, number five, what will you decide to believe and have faith in, because as you're going to hear, I staunchly believe those two things are just that decisions. I don't say that flippantly or to minimize anything, but well, you know what? You're just about to hear. We'll get started right after I share some great products and services with you. All right, friends, well, let's see if I can walk us through symptoms down to root issues regarding our self-help, our personal growth. So the reality is we, we do spend as a culture copious amounts of time and money dealing with our symptoms and not the root issues. Uh, candidly, I mean, the self-help and personal development industries make billions off this reality and I'm included in this statement. So I'm not throwing stones here. It's up to us to find out our root issues. And this is what today's show is about in a timely and acute example so we've just passed Christmas, right? And if anybody's like me, they watch uh, Clark Griswold and a Christmas vacation, not a very holy movie, uh, but man, it's funny and I can relate to it as a guy, but he spends days and frustration trying to get his Christmas lights to turn on, right? Only to find out that the switch was simply not on for the electricity. That is the hope here and the frustration. Where are we trying to make progress and we're frustrated and we're just missing a switch entirely. And a quick example, folks, in my life, and I've talked about this in the True Life show, I uh, went through a period of time with some significant back issues. Now I had injuries as a, a cyclist and had developed some back injuries that were really musculoskeletal issues. But a few years ago, I was having some times where it was like my back would disintegrate out of nowhere. I couldn't breathe. I don't know if anybody's ever had their back go out like that, but when it's really jacking up a nerve, you can't move, you can't breathe, you can't do anything. And I just thought this is unsustainable. I am not going to be this guy. And I was going to chiropractors who I am ultimately overall a fan of, but I was going to chiropractors and yet feeling inside by the way that this would come on and uh, incapacitate me. And then days later, merely a couple days later, I could be lifting heavy weights again. I thought this doesn't seem musculoskeletal. Something's something going on here. Long story short, uh, through, uh, my, my buddy, who's my buddy, Randy James is a doctor and through a uh, health coach and talking, it dawned on me that I was eating peppers 
with almost every meal, not breakfast, but almost every meal and eating them in more and more quantities. I'd put down a, a jar of banana peppers and jalapeno peppers with my meal. And I'm having these very clean, healthy meals and I was spicing them up by enjoying peppers. Well, peppers are a nightshade. Nothing wrong with nightshades overall, nothing wrong with lots of foods, but we all can have intolerances to things. Turns out, bottom line, I am intolerant, sensitive, don't know if it's a true allergy, but obviously I have a problem with nightshades, and it, it, uh, which peppers, uh, potatoes, eggplants, um, gosh, I'm missing another one, tomatoes are in that family. I cut out peppers, which was a big love of my life, cold turkey. And I have not had that issue since. So in me, the way it manifested is it caused some uh, inflammation in an area that maybe due to an old back injury or something, put my back out. My point being here, I could, I could have spent, and I was spending so much time and money on chiropractic and adjustments and musculoskeletal issues. That wasn't the root. I totally missed the root and I could have gone on forever. And I think we see that in our culture where we go on, especially if we talk medically and health and health and uh, wise with symptoms. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk about that actually as a good analogy. It's such a tangible issue. We deal with symptoms. We don't get to the root and we waste time and money and we get frustrated and, oh my gosh, it was one of the most joyous things ever for me to find that out. Now I didn't enjoy giving up peppers, but man, I enjoy having a strong back that changed the trajectory of my life. And so I'm going to use that as an example. I'm going to get into self-help and hit you right where you are in listening to this show, the Ziegler show and in your self uh, your personal development and your self-help. I'm going to hit that, but I'm going to make a, I am going to make a strong analogy in healthcare because it's an industry I'm heavily involved in and it's where we see it more acutely. So America spent, get this, $3.65 trillion on healthcare. I'm going to say that in quotes in 2018, 75% was spent on, of, of that was chronic illness and disease. 80% of that chronic illness and disease is deemed preventable. Now I've got all the links for that and there's government agencies and stuff. So I'm not just making that stuff up. You can go search for yourself and find those. But if you think about that, uh, you know, traditional medicine is not a root cause or healing industry. It's an illness and disease management system. It manages symptoms. Take high blood pressure. For instance, it is not caused by a lack of high blood pressure medication in your body. It's caused by by something, a root issue and probably, this is not me making this up or pointing fingers, but even statistically, it's basically caused by poor lifestyle choices. Uh, but doctors prescribe high blood pressure medication and they don't often have the time or even the know-how to get to the root issue. And, and granted, often the patient doesn't want to deal with the root issue. They just want a pill that manages that symptom. And we have to choose that for ourselves. But the point being that the biggest industry in America, we spend more on healthcare than anything else in America. It's funded by expenditures on symptoms, symptomatic treatment versus problematic treatment, or I'm going to say root cause, even the wellness industry, which I am a big part of is also growing. It's expected to hit 179 billion in America in 2020. And while choosing natural products over pharmaceuticals is always a good choice, the supplements and oils and therapies and tinctures and treatments are still primarily going to address symptoms and not addressing root cause issues. Uh, we're using a, a less harmful Band-Aid in essence, but still a Band-Aid nonetheless. A lot of times, not always, guys. And I'm making some big, broad statements here to help. And I hope you get the point and go with the spirit of this uh, and not the exceptions out there. 
Um, there, there's not a, a magic pill. We need to be looking for the magic root. So now let's look directly at personal development and self-help. I mean, the books and blogs and podcasts and seminars and courses. Uh, I mean, if you think about it as another analogy, uh, if you'll bear with me to think of them, but I would also say myself, us as selling, if we were selling automotive accessories, okay, self-help, if it was automotive accessories to enhance, let's say the aerodynamics, the solidify the traction, increase the power, soften the ride and improve the efficiency, all to accelerate your journey in this automobile to a desired destination. While the products may be great and helpful, they presuppose you are going to actually get in the car, start it up, press the gas and move forward. So you'll experience all the benefits of all these additives, right? Otherwise we're just spending time and money to dress up an inanimate object, which begs the question, what would be the point of that? Well, in personal development and self-help, we're presupposing that you are myself as well, are in fact moving forward that we're, uh, if we're not, none of these offerings are effective. I mean, many of the five steps to this and the seven keys to that are authentically uh, trying to get things easy and simple enough to get you to take action you weren't otherwise taking. So like pharmaceuticals, medicine, and wellness, billions and trillions are being spent on symptoms and we're missing the root cause often, which again is great for business in these industries, but I don't blame them. We are the ones culpable and gullible and responsible for our own success. That's why we're talking here today. I mean, you might think that next I'm going to drill down to the value of motivation and inspiration, right? To get you into the essence, to get in that car and mash the accelerator. And while I am a fan and absolute purveyor and believer in motivation and inspiration, they're still somewhat merely symptomatic treatments. I mean, the hope is that enough doses of motivation and inspiration will finally cause change and action, but to the root. So what is the root? What are all the efforts of self-help and personal development, inspiration, motivation? What are they trying to get to? And in my belief, it is, or my experience, it is belief. It's belief and faith. That's what we're trying to get to is belief and faith, changing it just enough to get you to do something you're not otherwise doing. That's really the point of it all here. Here, let me lay those out. When I say those belief and faith, cause they can be, uh, they can be used interchangeably to some degree, but belief, the definition is, is an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. Okay. Did you hear that? So, the, so it's belief is the thought that something really is. It's, it's kind of like saying, that's what I am. I believe what I am, what I, based on what I've done. Uh, and the opposite of belief is doubt. Well, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And so that's, that's saying, as opposed to belief where something is, it's that something you, you have faith that something will or could be. It's what I could be, you know, what I, based on maybe what I, you know, have done in the past, but, uh, it's what, what I think I could do that I haven't yet. The opposite of faith, interestingly, and this is arguable, but it makes sense is certainty. If you have certainty, you don't have to have faith. You have certainty and very little in all this, as I'm going to be talking here in just the next couple of minutes, as we're talking about personal development, self, uh, self-help and our personal growth, it's not certainty is not a word that comes up a lot in that we're doing things. We're trying, we're hoping, believing, having faith that we can become something that we're not. Now we're not, are we certain 
And I'll tell you this, and you're going to hear this from me. There's very little that I have believed in, gone after, had faith in that I was certain of. Uh, so we'll, we'll hit on that. And I think there is a lot of motivation and inspiration that tries to enthuse and push and pull and sometimes beat us into being certain. And the older I get, the less certain I am about most things and even myself, but my faith has grown stronger. And that can seem to be an odd thing to say, but uh, hopefully I'll, I'll explain that a little bit here. But think about it. Most of the epic movies of our time are made up of the same ingredients, which story expert Donald Miller has boiled down to a character who wants something and is willing to overcome conflict to get it. We watch that over and over again as it's the story of desire that seems to be written in our very souls. And there's few things worthy of watching somebody achieve or ourselves achieve if there's not conflict to overcome. If it's easy, then it's not that big and glorious, right? But the root, as Donald describes, is an inciting incident. He says the inciting incident is how you get characters to do something. It's the doorway through which they can't return. Uh, you know, the story takes care of the rest. And we see this in movies with a death or an injustice, good versus evil. Life is going along. Something happens to someone. They are often victimized and they rise up and become the hero or a hero, unbeknownst hero rises up on their behalf. Overwhelming odds are overcome through trial and tragedy. And at the end, a crescendo of glorious triumph. And we love that. And we need that. We want that in our own lives. If we can't have it, we're going to watch it on a screen somewhere because it just calls to us and resonates in our hearts. But the inciting incident, it's what all, again, this personal development and self-help is trying to manifest in us to flip an internal switch that makes us want something or feel compelled, even out of terror, to take appropriate action. The trouble is, inspiration and motivation alone seldom work. What it does is fan the flame of desire until that inciting incident finally happens to you. And when it does, your belief and or your faith changes and you finally get in the car and press the accelerator to use my analogy from before. You want it enough or you fear a consequence enough which honestly, the latter is more, more successful fear, unfortunately, but finding a way to create an incident, an inciting incident in people's lives that would alter their belief and faith. It'd be a Holy grail comparable to a pill that helps everyone lose weight. Right. And it's never going to happen. Even narrowing down on what does and does not motivate some will seldom make the difference. Like everything, it can help. It can further fan the flame, but it, it's going to take more to light the fire, that ultimate fire. The majority of people are, are of us, humanity, myself included, we seldom as a culture proactively create the drive needed to get going and take action toward our desires. Uh, they, the want often never gets big enough. For example, and here, here's one that I think everyone can relate to an inciting incident that we often see is well showcased in regards to losing a job. A job somebody doesn't like. Let's take that. We all have known that person or we've been that person. People routinely languish in jobs they don't like and are even, uh, the jobs are detrimental to their very lives and existence. And they'll languish in them for years and years. And you wonder why do they not seek employment elsewhere? And it might've been you. Why didn't you? And it's often lack, I think usually lack of belief and faith that you could find something better or that you could find the time to look for that job, you know, during your other job and whatever reasons, but then the day comes and you're fired. And for years, again, you haven't sought 
a different job, but now you immediately go hunting. And as you know, most people quickly find employment and, you know, going back to fear as a motivator. What's interesting is this though, often people find better employment as they are now well aware of what they didn't like about their, pre- you know, their, their previous job, now previous job. And, and this is why so many people cite that getting laid off was the best thing to ever happen to them. We hear that so, so often. But the question arises then, did getting fired change their belief that they could find another job? Or did it merely force their faith? Realize if they had no belief or faith, in getting another job after being fired, they would have simply stayed home and never even sought out another job. I mean, Plato famously said, necessity is the mother of invention. And here it rings true. We could paraphrase it to say desperation or fear is the mother of faith. In this example, however, a new job was found under time pressure of needing income quickly. How much more opportunity would have been available if The person, someone else or yourself, had taken many months to explore wisely and find a wonderful job while still working at that existing job so they're not doing it in survival mode. Okay, but let's jump to you now. Me too. Our unrealized desires, which none of us, nobody would be listening to this show if there weren't some unrealized desires. There wasn't something better they wanted out of themselves more. Should we wait for an inciting incident to just happen to us, to find us somehow? Should we just hope that something will happen, something that will change or stress our belief and our faith enough to get us to take action? Or can we sit down right now and consider, again, get to the root and consider our belief and faith in ourselves and what is possible and ask ourselves what we really want. And there's my word, want, W-A-N-T. As you think of what you want, Here's, here's what I want you to do. Ask yourself if you actually do want it. Do you really want it or do you, and get this, do you want to want it? That's so important. I mean, take getting up earlier to have a healthy start for your day, right? We have so many people talking about that. Not long ago, I interviewed Hal Elrod. He wrote The Miracle Morning. And so it leaves a lot of people saying, okay, I want to get up uh, earlier in the morning. The truth is a lot of people want to want to get up, right? They want to want to, and that's legitimate. I'm not dissing anyone for that, but now you can focus on the root. You're searching for making the want big enough because in truth, you don't really want to, but you want to want to and and clarifying what would you actually gain if you did? So if you were told that you would get a check for $10,000 at the end of seven days, if you every seven, every day for that seven days, if you woke up at 5:30 AM, just to plan your day, get some exercise, have a healthy breakfast. If that happens, happened, you would do it. I don't know many people listening that for 10 grand, they would not do that because you would literally want to at that point. You'd want to wake up at 530 in the morning because you absolutely understood and want the payoff. So if you realize now that you don't really want to get up early, you just want to want to, then we can focus on the root issue. And it's that we aren't really sold on what the payoff will be, that it will be worth it. And people will spend months and years wanting to get fit and not do it. And then they have a heart attack and all of a sudden they truly do want to get fit to avoid death. Or on a more shallow but relevant note, they have a 10 or 20 year reunion coming up or maybe a big beach vacation. Uh, or, and this we see this a lot, they're divorced and now are you know back in the game of dating and all of a sudden the payoff is clearer and now they really do want to get fit instead of actually just wanting to want it, 
right? So getting clear on the payoff, the motivation now becomes the focus and that's progress folks. I mean, that really is progress. Uh, or in seeking clarity, what if you realize you really do not want something? You don't even want to want it. It's just something you think you should want. There's that big word, should. Friends, you are listening to The Ziggler Show, and forgive me for stopping this episode right there in mid-sentence, but I'm about to change your paradigm with anything in your life that has should attached to it. I recently talked about this with my family and it's been just a game changer in how we look at that issue. What should you do with anything you have the word should attached to it? I'm going to tell you right after I share some great products and services with you. Folks, should is a death knell. It generally means you feel you should want something that you know someone else wants or they wants you to, they want you to want it. And ultimately it's just giving you guilt. And that is, that is minimizing you having guilt is minimizing you. And I would say, cut it loose, let it go. Take the getting up early concept. Uh, it's a going fad right now, right now. I'm a believer in it. Admittedly, it was a, it was a should for me for a while. It was a should I should get up earlier. Uh, then I finally wanted to want to, and then I kept hearing testimony actually came from my close friend, Dr. Randy James, my co-host in the true life show. And we were both going through a hard business crisis together, business we were partnered in and going through a crisis together. And he kept, just as we talked about it daily, he'd, he'd end up referring over and over to, gosh, this morning, you know, as I was having my quiet time and I was in my Bible, I was having the devotions, or I was praying, and this is what came to me. And it was this peace and this clarity and this faith he had in reference to this morning time. And it all of a sudden, that was the inciting incident for me, a business crisis, his testimony, and now I wanted what he had. And I wanted to get up and where I used to just get up in time to deal with my kids and then get to, you know, get, get to working. I started getting up an hour or more earlier for quiet alone time to center myself. And now I have a long morning, uh, that I, that I've manufactured my life to be able to, to handle. And I want it. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid not to get it because I know how less I am if I don't get it. But folks, here's the deal. There are also people out there who are dramatically succeeding at life way, way exceeding my life who don't get up early. It's not a magic pill. I mean, it's common among successful people, but it's not a requirement for success. The point is planning your day and centering yourself and getting started on the right foot, but it's ultimately simply just behavior modification and management. If you can achieve that another way, great. Or if you just naturally wake up centered and at peace and motivated, well, great. I've known people who get their most productive work done after dark and into the wee hours of the morning. It's not the norm for success, but whatever, if you want to craft your life differently and it doesn't fit the norms of success and getting up early, fine. The point is getting the success you want and what will help foster it. So back to the word should, if you're daily worrying about things that you should do, again, I'd highly encourage you to dwell on them, get clarity, and either decide that you do actually want them and get understanding of the, of the payoff or that you don't want it. And if not, cut them loose. Confidently just rid yourself of that guilt. I always feel that uh, I, I should or have always felt in the past that I should have a monthly budget or make a monthly budget and balance my checkbook. And I'm not going to make an excuse not to do that. 
But there are many, many top level things I do for my health, wellness, and life success. And if you show me somebody who, you know, has all their financial life in perfect order, I'll show you an area of success and health that I think is a priority also that they don't do. So I'm again, not making an excuse, but this happens to be an area I've cut it loose. I load dealing with money. I pay a bookkeeper. I pay a CPA. I have a couple of habits. You know, I look at my bank account at least once per week. And my wife and I are basically pretty frugal. We do talk about big expenses if we're going to make those. And you know what? For the most part, it just works. But no justification. Um, but it's not going to help me to keep it on my should list and feel guilty about it when ultimately the payoff is just not big enough to motivate me. Or maybe the consequence isn't uh, hurtful enough to motivate me. Either way... I, that's one on my should list. I cut it loose. Uh, a moment ago, I said regarding shoulds to dwell on them and decide if you really want them. Okay. That's the next point here, deciding. And it's really my last point here, deciding what you want, what you believe, what you have faith in. And these are all decisions. And I don't say that lightly or to minimize anything. Decisions are often hard, but in these three areas of life, what you want, what you believe, and what you have faith in, it really comes down to that. What you decide to want, what you decide to believe, and what you decide to have faith in. I mean, gosh, in an, in an analogy that was relevant to me many years ago, there was a time I did not have, I didn't have the time, I didn't have the money, and I didn't have the know-how to build a dream house, custom home on some dreamland that I really felt convicted in that I wanted to raise my family in an environment like that. Okay. No, I did want it. The want was high, but I can't tell you that I believed I could do it or, or, or even honestly say I absolutely had faith. I had faith that, you know, we wouldn't die as a result of it. We would stand it somehow, but to, to design a house, I mean, I never, this is so far from anything I had ever experienced. I, I, to design a house, to be the general contractor, to do a lot of the actual labor, and I couldn't justify it in any which way. I can't today looking back, pointing at it. Ultimately, we just decided to do it. Admittedly, against all odds, uh, aside from actual belief or faith, we just decided to. We decided to believe and had faith based on really nothing I could point to, but we decided to. And when we had our first son, another blatant example for me, he had a brain hemorrhage at five days old and we moved into a hospital. And I can't tell you that I believed he would live, that I had super faith that he, you know, would, he would live and he wouldn't end up mentally handicapped, but I decided to. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't I? What, what would not deciding to believe help me or help anything? And so this is where I'm landing this message to get real with what you want, to question it, then decide and don't decide based on what your emotions and feelings and experience and even logic naturally believe or have faith in that word. Think of that naturally, what you believe and have faith in today is if you're a human primarily based upon what you've been exposed to. It's as simple as that. Unfortunately, if you're born, unfortunately, but it's natural. It makes sense. If you're born in poverty and never see anything more than base survival and manual labor and day-to-day -day existence, you by proxy believe that that's going to be your future and your future is pretty much limited to that. And that makes sense. And conversely, if your parent was an astronaut, you by proxy believe that eh, you could be too, even though amongst those who even qualify and figure out how to apply to be an astronaut, there's only a 0.04 to 0.08 percent chance that you will make it. I mean, true. 
If your parent was an astronaut, you by proxy are exposed to more opportunity and understanding of it, but it has zero to do with your actual ability as a person. And we can be sure that many of the most naturally brilliant and capable people on the planet live in and will die in absolute obscurity and mediocrity because they weren't exposed to the idea that they could do anything or be anything more. If you're hearing this show, however, you obviously have more resources and a more aspiring inclination than most people. It's highly unlikely you're not capable of far more than your base natural beliefs and faiths. I mean, Zig Ziglar famously quoted, he said, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it'll let you do everything better than negative thinking will. When that same light, I mean, you can't believe that you can jump off a five-story building and fly or you know, survive it. I mean, I was a pro cyclist, uh, but I've been retired 16 years ago. I'm now, I just turned 49 years old. I truly don't believe that I could start training today and win the tour de France at this point. Uh, I mean, could you or I create a business that rules the world like Apple or Amazon and become the wealthiest person on the planet? I mean, honestly, I'm not personally beyond thinking that that is possible, though it may not be your goal and it's highly unlikely. Um, but you know, on that note, honestly, just like building my home, there are some endeavors I truly feel called to go after in my work and strive to accomplish that are going to require some gigantic business achievements nearly on that level. And do I really believe and have faith that I can do it? I don't know. I truly can't say that I absolutely believe, but I'm choosing to deciding to say that it, it, it could be possible and have faith. And therefore, because of making that decision, I'm going to take the steps to go after that and we'll see where I end up. I guarantee it'll be a great success, even if it's a million dollars and not a trillion dollars, but I'm just deciding to. So what do you want? Here's the root. Here's getting out of the symptoms of your own personal development, your self-help journey, your, per, your, your desire to grow as a person, to grow your finances, to grow your work, your success, your impact on the world getting out of the symptoms, going down to what do you actually want? What do you want to want? What do you think you should do that you need to turn into a true want or cut loose and get that thing out of here? And what will you decide to believe in and have faith in for yourself? These are the root issues of you and your ultimate change, growth, and progress. Well, friends, I trust this episode and message has you really considering and clarifying what you truly want. It's just paramount. But in what you heard here, I don't think it's massively complex, uh, which is part of the goal is to simplify the progress you're going after. Well, coming up in episode 748, the title of the show is, Does Your Faith Make Any Real Difference? Yeah, that's honestly the focus of the show. I have a special guest on with me and just, wow, what a show. I'm not even going to share the details. I think you're not going to want to miss this one. So till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs> <laughs>